So we're, we're Might as well. There's so many times where I've been on a a, co- a call with someone or in a conversation with someone, and they start talking about how important it is to have fun and be playful, and then I just pull that out. <laughs> yes. Fun is the that point. is that is the first water bottle that a fun is the point sticker was ever put on. Yes. Well, they were they were mailed to my house, which is pretty. Cool. Yeah, uh, it was it. pretty. It was pretty. Easy. <laughs> Man, yeah, I've, I've now tagged. I've now tagged almost every lift at Mount Bachelor. Yeah. With with the fun, the point sticker. Man. What a simple belief or value. Yeah. Is it's like a. Like that's a, that's like a way of life, you know? And that's been the cool thing about it is anytime I say it to someone, like it's not, they're not just like, oh yeah, that's cool. They go, wow. Yeah. Like you're really right. Like it hits Mm -hmm. anytime I talk to someone about it. And that, and that's been the cool thing where like, even like there, there are some people who like sometimes the way they quote it, it almost seems like they're more like excited and passionate about it than I am. It's like other people will, will remind me of like fun is the point. I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah. This thing is really spreading. It's like people get it. Well, you've been tattooing yourself with that phrase for a while. Yeah. I've, I've been living that shit, you know? And you know, when you get into something or you're like, doing something new or maybe you listen maybe you hear this rad song and you just play it over and over right there's novelty in the beginning like the first couple of weeks and then it sort of fades into the noise the rest of it and you forget you forget like the potency of it that's one it's one of those things because it's so ingrained in who you are at this point it's also become um, unconscious, right? And so yeah, that's how I need, operate. At this so point. that's why you need stickers <laughs> to prime your reticular activating system. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, it's on, I've got it on that water cup. I've got it on my other water bottle. I've got it on my laptop. You know, it's on a bunch of lifts. I've, I've written I've ridden the lift that has my sticker on it after placing it like a couple days later, got on be like, Holy shit. It's right there. There it is. It's a sign. It's, yeah, a it's sign on my from... ski helmet. It's <laughs> on your ski helmet. It is man. That's the only, I'm not a sticker guy for on helmets, man. My climbing helmet though has a ton of stickers. I don't know why I just, we did that. My, my, uh, my ski helmet, man, I tried to keep it naked and then bam, it's worth it though. Because every, I've I've gone I've only gone skiing. Well, I've I've gotten to go a couple of times um, this season. I mean, not like you go. You went like a hundred times probably this whole season. I think I went like six, which is cool. And man, every li- every time I'm sitting on a lift, somebody mentions the the sticker. Someone looks over and is like, "I get it." Yes. <laughs> We're, we're, we're changing the world, Matt, one sticker at a time. You know what's so cool, man? And 
you know, I just told you this, like right before we hit record, like I went down to the beach. I, I live like two blocks from the beach over here and um, it's a, it's pretty warm out today. So I, in between this call and the calls I had this morning, I, I did have one like phone call to be on and uh, I decided to take a walk and do that. And I was, I, as soon as I pick up the phone, like I answer the phone at my one thirty PM Eastern time call. And it was with Jenna, you know, Jenna it was, it was with Jenna and she's like, yeah, what's, what's going on today. And as she's, as she's saying that, and I'm picking up, I picked up the perfect flat rock and skipped it across the ocean. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, oh yeah. you know, just living the dream over here. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then i was and you know and i do get to reflect often on this i have a pretty ingrained gratitude practice but in that very moment i had this like i just stood up a little taller and took a nice deep breath and i had this sense of appreciation you know for like the fact that i get to do this i get to like help someone and and i'm I'm coaching her through a proposal for a thirty thousand dollar like content creation and consulting job and I'm like, I get to do this and make this impact while I'm skipping a rock at the ocean. <laughs> That's the life. Fun is the point, man. You just came from like a two and a half week road trip, right? Yeah, I was, I was, <sighs> oh my God. I was, I was set up on a cliff with a panoramic view of Zion National Park behind me. And mountain bikers coming by being like, whoa, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, welcome to my office. <clears throat> Continue. It, it was the shit. I, the best ones I had, I got on a call, a Zoom call uh, with an old friend. And the video pops up. And the first thing he, he, I hear is, oh, my God, where <laughs> the hell are you? And it, it was it was incredible that like, you know, I doing this call and like every now and then, you know, I maybe I'd pause for him to write something down and I get to just look around and see the most majestic epic scenery and then come back to doing work that I'm incredibly passionate about. Bro, isn't it so cool that we get like it's this shit, this is possible now too. And, and like, I try You ever get asked? I, I, dude, I've met your parents. I imagine they've asked you like, Ben, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I, I remember that I've had that conversation with, with most of my family. Yeah. Cause and like, I came home and they, they'd be like, like, how do you, how do you make money? And it was really cool. Um, last new year's I did this. I was like doing like finishing my financials. Um, before I put into my money into my Roth, and I saw that I'd made ten thousand more dollars than the previous year. So I sent a video to my dad. I was like, "The next time someone asks me, someone asks you, like, how does Ben make money?" I just I had the the frame from the year before, and I went, "Boom, ten k more." And actually, the the way I explained it to them though was uh, because there, anyone who doesn't know me, I used to be an actor, and my goal was to be on Broadway, and uh, if you like try to explain it to to my parents because they were always like really cautionary about what i was doing and i'd just been hired by like one of my idols 
to like be his head coach. And it was, it was like really like disheartening at times. Cause I was really excited and they'd always like, Oh, well, like, are you getting paid? Like, how is this, what's going on here? And I said, so if I was like, Hey, like, are you guys proud of me? Cause I'm, I'm really excited about this, but everything you say is really cautionary. And they're like, Oh yeah, well, we, we're proud of you. We just don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And if anyone knows Hamilton, the musical is written by a man named Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I said, okay, mom, I'm I'm doing the coaching equivalent of Broadway right now. And Lin-Manuel Miranda just hired me and asked me to live with him. And then she went, oh, oh my gosh. Wow, that's amazing. Like then they understood. I had to make that comparison. Uh, and what's even, what's cool is then, you know, that this summer I got let go from that position and I saw my parents later and, you know, I'd already like, cried to them about it and all that stuff. And my, my mom said, you know, I, I, I like kind of felt bad for like not checking in with you more, but at the same time, I thought I don't have to worry about that. Like, I'm never worried. I always know that you're going to do it. Yeah. And that like, that was really like really empowering to hear because I am, you know, it sucked for a couple months and I've bounced back. And now I'm like, I'm right back up where I was and gaining even more momentum. It's so cool. You were able to make that cross that bridge with your parents, you know, and I I've struggled with this. I have struggled with this explaining to my mom, like how you can make money on the internet. (laughs) She used to like, she, Actually, this is a funny story. I blocked her on social media <laughs> because there was a while I was, you know, I'd make my, I'd write my content and I'm very like thoughtful and philosophical at times. And she legitimately said to me in the comments, nobody cares. <laughs> I was what? like, mom, what? <laughs> And, and so like, I, I confronted her after that. I asked, I'm like, you know, like, what did you mean by that first? And, you know, what do you, what do you want to talk about? Like, there's, I imagine there's some confusion and, and it, it came down to the same thing. Like she was very much worried, very worried about like the future, especially cause I just had a baby. Like I was just like, I'm a dad, I have a, a life and other things to provide for and care for other than myself. And, and she saw that I was um, getting ready to exit my business at the gym and um, move on to doing this full time. And she didn't even know what this was. And, you know, it was hard enough to explain 10 years ago that I was getting into the fitness industry and I was going to open a gym. I was like, what do you mean? You're not going to be a doctor. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And so there's these like little bridges to, to cross and, and, and it actually caused me to question some stuff myself. Like, how do I um, explain this to someone when I can hardly explain it to myself? You know, I just, has always, I've always been an entrepreneur and someone who jumped on opportunities and I see an opportunity here. Like, I don't really need an explanation yet. I just need to go and do it, which is how I got into like online coaching and uh, business coaching and consulting and podcasting like three, four years ago, but I didn't really know how to explain it, you know, (laughs) 
because I didn't have to, because I was only ever dealing with my peers who were like, they got it. Like they saw the value. And truthfully, like my mom is in her sixties and your parents are, you know, up there as well. And like, they didn't have the opportunity to sit on the side of a cliff in a national park and make calls, you know, it's like, we're in, we're in like future world now. Yeah. It's everyone's, you know, used to, used to the, the normal, the normal yeah. way of doing things. It's like, and in the last like 10, 20 years, we've, you know, the shift has gone away from go to college, get a degree, get a job, <laughs> work so that you can retire and then enjoy your life. That that was the common path, but enough people got to that to the part of working the job, and then realizing, wait, I'm not happy. Mm. I did all the things. I got good grades. I went to a good school, got a degree, got a job. I'm providing for my family. Why am I drinking all the time? Why am I mm. binge watching Netflix? Why? Where did all this weight come from? That I'm, that I'm carrying around now. And it's all of these things where people are trying to, they're ultimately what they're seeking is fun. They're seeking that experience, that like peak experience of fun, but they don't know how to have it because mm. their entire life has been about grades and money and achievement. And then like that completely removes all the space for enjoyment. Cause like, what's the money for? If like, I, I had a great analogy of like money is a battery mm. and you know, people who are just hoarding all their money, like, yeah, I've got all these batteries. Like, well, Hey, can I use it to play with some toys? No, no, I need the batteries. I could play with a lot of toys with it, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to these batteries. Mm -hmm. No, the, the money's for stuff. Yeah. If and if you're not using it to have real true fun, it's gonna it's empty calories. Mm. And this this is what's happening is our generation is now the one where like going a more an entrepreneurial direction or at the very least working remotely is much more the norm. Right. Like you know, used to be like van life what's that but now when i'm driving around there's companies that deck out vans with all these cool decorations on them and they're all outfitted already you can just rent one yeah like that's a business and that's all like that's all becoming the norm for us but for the previous generations you know it's silly what the hell are the kids doing today they want to live in a, a car mm -hmm. and that's that's a good thing you want to be homeless? <laughs> like, yeah, my, my home Trans, is my car. Transient, it's, it's, not homeless. I'm, I'm transient. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in between residences. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like, I still say houses are overrated. Mm. I did. I was, I was camping in a buddy's backyard on my way to um, somewhere else I was staying and him and his wife were going to leave for the weekend. And I needed to, I needed like one more day before I could move into the Airbnb, I was staying out with some friends and he was like, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't actually need your house. 
can I still camp in your backyard for one more night? Because I had everything I needed. Mm. And that like that, that was so cool. Just straight up, I don't need your house. Mm-hmm. Because I can put my tent up in a fuck yes place anytime I want. <laughs> the house, man, it's a place to put the stuff. And people tend to attach who they are to their stuff. And like, I, I, I totally do that. I attach to my stuff. Like I have stuff. I like it. I like my stuff. I like this microphone. I like the, the six guitars that I have sitting around and two more in the closet. <laughs> like, I like this stuff. It's a, it sort of tells a story, right? And the house is a place to keep all that stuff. And it, helps you (laughs) here's an interesting philosophical slash like existential thought without all of that you'd forget who you are Mm. or or you'd forget who you're supposed to be and when you you know i discovered um I was talking to Val about this the other day. I was, I discovered minimalism seven or eight years ago. Um, there was like, there's a podcast, the minimalists podcast, and then they did a documentary on Netflix and it was fascinating. And I listened to a bunch of their podcasts and I started just getting rid of shit. And I was like, I want to be a minimalist. I want to like eliminate all the stuff or the need for stuff. Like at a, at this point now, I don't need anything. I just have stuff. It's cool. But I thought it was so interesting to like detach because then you get to literally be whoever you want to be at any time. <laughs> like, like you've experienced this traveling around, like you're living out of a tent or living out of your car sometimes. And then also at Airbnbs and then also crashing at friends' houses and also renting a place to live for a while. Like you get to choose and and you're unattached like you don't have to commit in a way there's like a dichotomy to there it's like you're you're not really committed to anything wish yeah and it's you're cool that's cool it that's the thing is it's looking at it too as you know i wasn't going when i was doing it cuz you know i like lived that way for 2 years <laughs> bouncing around um yeah and people would always say like like you can't do this forever like what's and i was like yeah i'm, I'm location scouting Hmm. You know, I want to try some places out. And there, there was always the thought in my head of eventually I'll find a spot where that has what I want. And then, yeah, I'll put down some roots. And, but there, it was, it, for me, it was never like a, oh, I don't want to like commit to staying in a place. It's like, I'm out here playing. Yeah. This is awesome. At some point, I'm going to find a place where I want to sit down and play. Mm. And I have, and Bend is the shit. Don't move there though; it's terrible. But I love it. But no one, everyone, stop coming there. <laughs> you're playing. You're playing, and you're also doing some like self discovery because you went from being in a a role like you you were going after the job that you always wanted, right? You were you went to school, you you like landed a position where you could advance and finally see some traction. Like you wanted to be on Broadway, you were doing the thing. And then you had one of those moments of realization where you were like, oh, fuck, I don't know if this is for me. I'm going to go try to do something else. 
which is talk about like having a midlife crisis. I mean, it's not midlife per se. It might be, I mean, who knows time wise, but yeah, eighth life crisis. Yeah. You, you work like all of this time and you go through all of these steps only to get to the point where you feel like you have no idea what's next, which I imagine a lot of people are get to that position and they feel sort of, um, they, well, they, they feel afraid, but also feel like lost, you know? And so you were in that position going out and going after it and playing and also discovering more about yourself and discovering like, well, what is next? What can I do? And, and fortunately you had, you know, the opportunity to make money while you do that. So that's a bonus. Yeah. And I was, the, the cool thing was as, as you know, unconventional as that was, I was supported the whole time. Yeah. Like my, my, my parents supported me, my friends supported me. I remember even being like when it first really started, I seriously started considering doing something else is I was on tour and we were playing rapid city, South Dakota. And it was, like just driving through the hills there, it was gorgeous. And I started looking up, how do you become a park ranger? Mm. And I was talking about it. And one of the girls in the show was like, yeah, you know, Ben, I could really see you doing that. Mm. Like, so from the moment I started considering other things, I, I've i been like supported and encouraged the whole time. Your parents did that, and right? They were park rangers. Yeah, they that inspired a lot. Is they were park rangers at Katmai National Park, uh, which if uh, if anyone has seen the the picture of a bear catching a salmon on a waterfall, mm -hmm. that's where that is. So that their job was to give the bear talk when tourists came in on the float plane. So that that was then like the the capstone of my nomadic journey was I always wanted to go there, mm. and I did this whole big road trip from Sedona all the way up to Washington with a bunch of friends doing the digital nomad thing. <laughs> we took six months to do it. And then I finished it with a, a two week trip in Alaska, a week of which was spent backpacking in Katmai, which was the trip of a lifetime. Mm. And that, I mean, it was a really fitting like pause I'd say in the nomadic life. Cause like I, I hit like, this was the thing that I've been going for. I was like, cool. I did it. Let's explore what being in one place is like now. Mm. And that's been wonderful too. Like having the the ski hill and the and the rock climbing crag both within an hour of my house mm -hmm. and trails five minutes from my house. I've got a tribe of of friends that like we all hang out together all the time. And like there's so much beauty in having that that uh that stability of being in one place. And what's great is I've found over the last two weeks, I still got it with the nomadic. It would, the first night that I was camping, I got into my tent and almost cried because I was so happy hmm. about like being out there again. Where were you? I was in Lone Pine, California, which is where Mount Whitney is. It's the hmm. highest point in the lower 48. And yeah. if you like running around on rocks, like I do, it's mm -hmm. one of the best places to go. 
It's a jungle you, gym. So you there. drove all the way from Bend to Lone Pine in a day? That was a single trip? No, I stopped in Reno, stayed with uh, oh, right. our friend yeah. Maury, and uh, went Reno, Lone Pine, Vegas, Zion, <clears throat> and then uh, then drove to Austin from there, a couple stops in New Mexico. Mm. I want to I wanna climb out, Whitney. <laughs> Now that you mentioned I've, it, I've, I'm thinking about it. Man, you gotta get you have to apply a, for permits and everything and Yeah. I'm down. It's a badass looking mountain though. Yeah. Like, and and my have... tent, you un unzip the tent and there it is. It's right there. It was incredible. Are you a leader, game changer, or adventure seeker who would jump at the opportunity to get out into the world? and experience something new. Do you possess an unusual capacity for growth? Have you done what most won't understand or are you simply someone whose impact goes way beyond what you ever could have imagined? And you just keep going. Well, I've got a special invitation for you. The Elevate Experience is calling your name. This is an opportunity for you to detach, to deconstruct, to discover new paths, and to plan for what comes next. Picture this. You're in a remote wilderness environment with nine other growth-oriented, highly accomplished producers and action takers. You're on an epic, once-in-a-lifetime adventure with zero resistance and zero BS. This is the chance for you to endure physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual evolution and be held accountable to make choices that build your integrity and your resilience. You'll walk away from this five-day, one-of-a-kind experience with renewed passion, action steps to integrate your experience into your life, and memories secured to anchor you to your evolution and your expansion. Plus, you'll receive integration coaching and peer-to-peer -peer mentorship so that you can take your experience home with you and inject your rediscovered passion directly into your leadership. If you've made it this far and accomplished this much, what's next? The Elevate experience is here for you don't wait any longer. Visit mysummit.academy slash elevate and fill out the application for the adventure of a lifetime so that you can join us this summer. What are you waiting for? Some of your, uh, some of my favorite like Instagram stories lately have been uh, the videos that you post of you unzipping a tent in the morning. <laughs> <laughs>
I did that once, but this is how I knew that I was on brand is I did that once because I, I was in a hotel in Vegas. Yeah. And I I like went up to the door and I opened it into the hotel lobby and just kind of panned around. And I got so many messages be like, dude, where the hell are you? Go back outside. What's going on? <laughs> yes. People get it. Yeah, people get it. I want to, I want to shift a little bit because I've noticed, um, I've noticed your, um, shift of attention in the last couple of months and like your, really your focus on who it is you serve and your messaging and how you coach people and what it is that you do and like your clients and everything you've shifted toward, um, procrastination as like the evil villain per se of the clients that you work with. How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, you know, I was really like taking a look back at my own, my own experience in life. And everyone says that like your ideal client is the person that you were seven or however many years ago. And I was like looking at what are, what were like my big, like problems, back then. And honestly, the the thing that I noticed was, I was procrastinating, on, one going after my my new dream when I realized that theater wasn't the thing. And also, the, and this is the big one is I was procrastinating on breaking up with my girlfriend at the time. I was trying so hard to be the perfect boyfriend who, you know, never, never makes her upset and, and always does the right thing, always treats her well, you know, a nice guy. Mm. And in, in doing that, all I was doing was, was people pleasing my way into unhappiness, into resentment, mediocrity. We, we fought all the time. We had zero sex life. Anytime she wanted to talk about marriage or kids, I totally froze mm -hmm. because in my head, I was like, there's no fucking way I want to have kids with you. And at the same time, I I was too worried about what she would say, what other people would say if I broke up with her. And, you know, that honestly, we almost broke up a year into the relationship and then she, uh, she actually, she read a text that I'd sent to my mom. She read my text messages because I was talking to my mom about, it. I was like, what do I do? I'm so confused. And she found out. And then we had this whole, you know, blow up about it. And it somehow ended with us staying together. I can't even remember how it happened, but mm. I caved and we stayed together for a whole nother year of the same shit over and over and over again. Mm. And I, I didn't understand because honestly, this wasn't the first time this had happened. <clears throat> I dated other girls before where like I knew it wasn't working. And for some reason, because I really, because I was wanted to avoid the discomfort of breaking up with them. I just stayed. 
And all that did was create resentment, misery, conflict. And then the breakup was as explosive as it would have been anyway. Mm -hmm. Rip the bandaid, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it really, it took like getting to the root of why I kept doing the same thing, why I kept repeating the same pattern because I would get out of a relationship and go, okay, I don't want to be in a relationship anymore. Classic negation. What a motherfucker of a negation actually that was because all that did was call in more frustrating and draining and unfulfilling relationships. And I kept doing it over and over and over again. And it really, it took, like I said, someone showing me how to get to the root of where that people pleasing and perfectionism was coming from. And once I understood that, how, how I formulated this pattern over the years, it became crystal clear. Oh, this needs to end now. And like the, I think the night after I realized this was when I broke up with her, that, that particular girlfriend. And honestly, it was the easiest breakup I'd ever done because I was so clear. She was saying all kinds of things. She thought I joined a cult and like saying like, ah, oh, all the guilt is yours and this and that. And in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I'm clear. Are mm. we done? Cause this, like, we both know this needs to be over. Mm -hmm. And seeing that, like that just then totally cleared the way for, for me to go after all kinds of like bigger things that I've been putting off. Like I started living nomadically after I did that, I started coaching way more, receiving way more money for my coaching, you know, went from charging like, you know, peanuts to charging like over a thousand bucks a month. Having that, like that totally cleared the path for me because mm -hmm. I finally got out of my own way because you have to get out of your own way to find your own way. <clears throat> And that's really what I was looking for because I've been mm. people pleasing my way into other people's dreams for so long that I needed to, I needed to clear the way so I could write my own story about all of this. So seeing all of that, I, and I went, you know what? Procrastination isn't something I've talked about before. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's see what happens. So I made a post about procrastination, what I'd seen from other people. And it, it hit, it struck a chord stronger than anything else I had ever posted. And it's kept doing that consistently. And that's when people started messaging me going like, oh my God, I feel like you're telling my story. Like, mm. yes, I do exactly that. I always do the dishes instead of doing my thing. And yeah, I did get straight A. I was a straight A student. How did you know that? I feel like you're in my head. <laughs> And it was, it's, it was incredible to see because like these, these people could then clearly see, oh, it, it doesn't have to be this way. Like other people are experiencing this. It's not just me. Other people do the dishes or clean their room instead of working on what they should be working on. Mm -hmm. And 
I then get to be in the role of guiding someone to finally taking action on their dream instead of putting it on the shelf because they're afraid of making a mistake. And that, like the, the coaching experiences since I've started working with procrastinators have, have been incredible because it could be like one call and they come back and they're on they're like, oh my God, yeah, there is nothing I'm not knocking out right now. Mm-hmm. And it's so fast. Like that, that's been incredible. Like it doesn't have to take months and years of work. Like I've, I've had instances where it's one call. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, I finally put myself out there. I'm going. So I, this is, this is like something I've, it's like thrown more fuel on the, like the passion fire for me for coaching, because I'm so much clearer now on, on who I can help, how I can help them and how, how I can resonate with their experience, validate their experience Mm. and then guide them to the path that they actually want to live where they're doing something that they're passionate about and they're not afraid of making mistakes anymore. Like fuck to-do lists. That doesn't work. Fuck to-do lists, especially if you're you're procrastinating. Yeah, that's that is it's not that's like, like procrastination is not it's it's not like you don't know what to do or you're lazy. Typically and, and like you alluded to this, like there's a there's a fucking problem in your life that you're afraid to address and it's causing disturbance in other areas. Exactly. With you it was the the breakup. It was the the pattern of relationships. And, and I imagine some other stuff that you unraveled and Yes, but anyone can procrastinate, even the most disciplined of people, if they're afraid to confront something or if there's like some shame or guilt. I love how you said, uh, get out of your own way so you can find your way or something like that. Yeah. And getting out of your own way is like, uh, it gets thrown around a lot and it's really hard to actually address if you don't have the specific tools which i mean you you and i have and we know plenty of people who have those exact tools to get out of your own way but it's as simple as removing the negative aspects anything that you're afraid to do anything that's like causing tension is probably something you need to address as fast as possible so that you can keep moving forward if there's any guilt or shame or like resentment built up, like b- burn that shit. Yeah. Burn I like to say, down. I like to say fear is often the finger pointing you in the direction you should go. Mm. Like if you're afraid to put yourself out there, good. It means you care. It means you actually care about this thing. Yeah. And that's important. And I, I, I read once that, like if you take away the fear of heights, then standing on top of a mountain means nothing. Interesting. And that's the, like, that's the thing is it's part like that fear is part of what makes it so beautiful. 
know, it's, it's the same reason why like so many times humans, like I imagine if aliens came down to earth and like they saw Yumi rock climbing and they're like, hey, human, what do you like to do for, for fun? It's like, oh, I like to get as close to dying as possible without actually doing it. Because like you have to, you've got to, you've got to tickle that edge. Yeah. Tickle the edge. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, that's why like someone who's like flying down the mountain is like, yeah, that's when I feel alive. You raised such a useful piece of information. And this is something I'm incorporating into my events moving forward. And, uh, you know, you and I obviously ran an event together and plan to in the future. And one of, this is one of the really specific i call it an evolution but it's a specific moment that you're going to experience in one of these live events and it's simulating we can call it like simulating death or simulating a near-death experience you you've taken falls like you've taken big whippers while you're on while you're rock climbing so have i and i've have you ever also have you ever been driving down the road and some dumbass starts drifting into your lane and you have to beep and get out of the way because he does he's not paying attention and there's that little feeling of like oh, close call there oh man you know what happens immediately after that is you pay attention better is now you're like 10 times as focused on the road as you were before because you're like i'm not letting that happen again if i have anything yeah. to do with it and you know what? After you take that fall when you're rock climbing, you get back on the wall and you're a little more careful and you're paying a little bit better attention or you're trying a lot harder so that you can avoid that crux mm -hmm. and find the next crux typically. Yeah. And the, the <sighs> thing about like what, what I loved specifically about, like, there's a specific fall I'm thinking about where I fell like mm. 25 feet. Oh, I was, I was up, I was already like 160 feet above the ground and I'm going for the last clip before the anchor. And I, I was on the wrong hole to clip off that thing and <sighs> it just dropped. Yeah. And I, I, I got my breath back. And I was like, okay, Ben. That was the furthest you could possibly fall. Ooh. And you're fine. Interesting. And that honestly, that that cured me of being afraid of falling rock climbing. Because mm -hmm. I took a huge whipper and was totally fine. So now it's like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? That happens again. And I'm totally fine again. Yeah, because most people, the fear of failure, like take I like I like using the straight A student as an example because it's one of like the the like interesting like more irrational versions of this is often someone who's a straight A student their their identity is wrapped up in getting good grades their self worth is wrapped mm -hmm. up in getting good grades and it's how they get praise and attention from their parents. So growing up as a kid, if that's how you think you earn love from your parents, what happens if you get a bad grade? No one's going to love you anymore. Mm, that's the and, fear. Yeah. And rejection. Yeah. 
yeah and that is such a deeply ingrained because humans are tribal animals if you get ostracized from the tribe you're fucked yeah and you know we don't live that way anymore we do right we in our imaginations <laughs> but like literally you know if all my friends stopped talking to me i'd be really sad but i would still be able to survive but the lizard brain right the lizard brain thinks oh no if they don't love me anymore i'm going to die alone mm. and no one's going to remember me and that's the worst possible thing that could ever happen so people grow up with this conditioning from school that I have to get a good grade. Otherwise no one's going to love me anymore. I'm never going to get praise or attention from anyone ever again. If I get a bad grade. And that's the thing is like that literally won't happen. And most, most of the people I talk to, like they know intellectually. Yeah. My, my parents still love me. I've talked to my mom today about how proud she is of everything I do, but it's already been programmed in when you were little mm -hmm. that you have to do it right. You have to do it perfect or no one's going to love you anymore. Well, when they say, when they say like, if I fail, no one's going to love me. Right. This, that's a really generalized statement. They're probably thinking of one or two people in their life who they're afraid to like disappoint a, to, like a parent. It could, it could even be like, a teacher who you made a promise to in like the third grade that you're going to try harder. Like this is a, this is how silly it can get. And then all of your choices and all of your decisions moving forward and everything you do, your beliefs, how you show up are meant are, are like a result of you trying to prove that that's true. <laughs> this is it's wild to think about this. And, and um, I can argue like this is true for most people unless they've done some, healing work and they started very young too like you probably have an example of this but at some point you fucked up or you did something and it the perception was that you messed up and you got called out for it and you felt like you were like losing a battle or you felt like you were gonna be uh, removed from the tribe or rejected by people or like you were no longer being loved and so you then made this like pact with yourself that from this point forward i'm going to do everything i can to prove to myself that i belong here or that this is what i can do or that i can get the straight a's or that i can whatever it's like hyper compensation you know it's wild because this shows up in a lot of different ways for most people, most of the time. And I can generalize there because it's, you know, fi go find me a person who, who doesn't have a story like that. You know, this is why I say I was on a, a call this morning um, with a guy who's, he just enrolled in my upcoming like uh, coaching course. He's in the Enlifted program right now. We're talking about that a little bit and and I was like, you know, Enlifted is very much like the Swiss Army knife of personal development because most people have some stories they could use use work with. I could that's a projection, of course. And give me an example of someone who doesn't have some trauma 
Yeah, like the perceived the, trauma, you know. <laughs> the classic thing is someone's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm good on personal development." I was like, "Okay, because you said that, I know you're not." <laughs> yeah. And anyone who's done enough knows that the journey always continues. There's always an an area to grow. And as soon as you think you've made it, you're wrong. There's always stuff you forget about too. Like, yeah, I'm, I I've been on this journey for so long, and I've done all the different things that you can do to bring up the past and work through the stories and the breath work, the meditation, the plant medicine and things like this. And still I can go for a walk in the woods while I'm listening to some music or something. And I'll have this silly like reminder or like a memory will get triggered of some stupid shit. I said when I was like seven, I was like, (laughs) Oh, that's the thing. I Oh my God. <laughs> and it just unravels. And then I'll like text my mom and I'm like, sorry, I said this or like, I'll write it down. Like I know I have a process for working through this. That's the value. But like, you're going to, there've been so many billions of moments. Like we're in our thirties, Ben, between birth and now of times we could have said the right thing or the wrong thing, or we could have felt something and like, it comes back. We're getting way off topic here. What I wanted to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I really wanted to uh, mention, because we were talking about uh, like these moments of fear that cause us to like, take the next step, like the leaps forward, like fear. You said it really well. It's like, that what what you're afraid of is the direction you want to go, like something like the that. The finger pointing you in the direction. Yeah, to go. man. Some people, because they are so protective of themselves, they're very caught. You know, some people are cautious, right? They don't. They're they're more averse when it comes to risk. They don't actually get very many of those like, oh fuck moments. The type of person who gets really great grades at school and like follows all the rules and goes exactly the speed limit or less like they are likely to stay the same the people who are willing to step over the edge look down and have that like sinking feeling and still take the leap like those are the people who are elevating and growing the people who are actively pursuing or even just experiencing these moments and you could probably relate i you know i'm i you, you definitely can for the listeners you can you can imagine like the last time you really felt fear or you thought you were going to like die or you thought someone else was going to die or you thought you were going to lose everything and you still took action and you made it through the other side. Okay. Like imagine something amazing happened as a result of that. Is that true? Like that's oh, yeah. true for you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I love, I love rock climbing as an analogy for all of these things. Yeah. Easy. Because it's, you know, I've, I remember people like I've heard people say, like, I'm just holding on by my fingertips mm-hmm. and I go, well, what if you trusted your fingertips? Cause there have been so many times where I am, I'm on like half a joint of my fingers. And there, like, I remember specifically like, last week this happened. I hit this <laughs> hole and I was like, Oh shit, I'm going to, 
oh, wait, I'm holding on to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. I'll make the next move. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we suffer far more in imagination than reality. So there's so many times where like you'll hit this moment in your life where it seems like everything's about to fall apart. Yeah. And if you hold on for just a second longer, that's when the breakthrough happens. That's when you finally make that shift, that move that you know has been there the whole time, but you keep shying away from it. I love talking about the hero's journey Mm. with my clients because if you think about a clock, most people are bouncing between 12 and three, back and forth, back and forth. And they're wondering, well, why is my life so boring and unfulfilled? Because you're only playing with a quarter of it. And then you get the call to adventure at three o'clock and you have to say yes in order to keep going. And so many people hear the call and they go, ah, nope, too scared. Oh, what if I fail? <laughs> oh, fear of the unknown. I don't want to do that. And you have to say yes in order to experience the bliss. You have to say yes to the fear <laughs> and walk right towards it. Because nine times out of 10, even if you fall flat on your face, it's not going to be anywhere near as bad as you think it will be. Mm-hmm. Like entrepreneurs and coaches, the biggest thing that I hear people procrastinate on is putting themselves out there, mm-hmm. putting their art out there, putting their business out there, making Instagram posts like, oh, I have to make it perfect because if it's not perfect, I'm going to get trolls and everyone's going to tell me I'm stupid. Mm. That never happens. That never, ever happens. So many times I've seen coaches finally take that step and they're congratulated, they're applauded. And like, here's the thing. If you're a coach and you say you want to help people, but you're too afraid to put yourself out there, then you don't really want to help people bad enough. Yeah. Like you have to want it. And, you know, if you only kind of want to be a coach sometime, then like keep your day job. Because if you only kind of want to do this, you don't want it enough. If it's, if it's, if the fear is too great, then it's not time for you to step forward yet. If you can't face that fear, it, the joy only comes when you look that fear in the face and keep walking mm. right towards it. There's there's a point that um, that you made earlier when you were talking about your specific story, um, like how you came to the conclusion of helping people overcome procrastination and make these big moves. When you were talking about like being in that relationship, right, for a year, and then somehow it went on and went for another year. But there's this there's this like there's this concept in marketing and sales where. Uh, people have this dream, whether it's like become uh, a coach as a dream or climb a mountain or um, build a, you know, seven figure business or any of these like hypothetical outcomes that are possible. And you know, they're possible because you see other people doing them. And these are what we call like goals, right? How many times have you been done like goal setting sessions with people and they have pretty big dreams, but they're not doing anything to get there. 
right? So there, so there's this thing in marketing and sales where, um, that's cool. You can have as big of a dream you want. You can even have a purpose and a why behind it. But if the pain of being where you're at isn't that hard, isn't that is is tolerable? Like if you're in some pain, but it's like not that bad, you're unlikely to go after the goal. And a simpler way of saying that is if like, if you are like too comfortable where you are and you can tolerate the, the bad stuff, it's, it's going to be really difficult for you to take the steps to go toward your dream. Another way of saying this is most of the time people will stay where they're at because they prefer to stay the same instead of change. Change is hard. And, and you might be afraid of change, but there, if you can get to the point, like for you, when you have these, this realization, like, oh shit, I can't stay in this pattern anymore. Like there's no way. Cause if I do, then I'd be breaking, a, like I, I would be out of integrity with myself and I'd be breaking like this vow that I made to myself or whatever it was for you. And you had to take action. You had to make that, that call break up with the girl you know, spend your life nomadically for the next couple of years. Like you had to do it because the pain of being where you're at was on where you were at was totally unbearable. And this is actually like, you'll see this in like social on social media, like fear, fear tactics in marketing, because sometimes you have to. <laughs> You have to make people aware that the place where they're at, the current situation sucks. And it's the, that exact thing that's keeping them stuck. And until they're like, until they realize maybe people listening to this right now are like in that place, like stuck in indecision, not like they're, they're procrastinating on making a big move or making even a small move. Like you gotta be you have to recognize just how bad staying where you are is affecting you. Like what problems it's really causing. Look at the opportunity cost. What is it costing you in the long run? And if you're cool with that, like then stay where you're at. If you're cool with it, but if you're not cool with it, then you, you got Ben's number. Like, Give him a call. He's going to help you out. Slice and dice, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I like, I like diet as an example for this. Cause I think about uh, mm. like when I, I didn't know how much vegetable oil I was eating until I stopped having it and like consciously cut it out and went, Oh my God, mm. you mean I can feel like this all the time? And then I had some like some nuts that had been roasted in some garbage and immediately got sick. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I was eating that regularly. I was feeling like that all the time. And I didn't even know. Yeah. Because I was so used to it. Like there's so many people out there who are like, they're used to being in chaos. They're they're used to to putting everyone else's needs before their own. It's and, fine. I'll deal with it. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And th like, they don't realize 
it'll get better. that their norm can be different because they're so used to things being the way they are. It's even like I've it's like why like I've seen this where uh like girls will date like the bad boy who then, you know, it's a wild fling and then he breaks their heart and runs away. Mm. And then they finally get the good solid man and they they get they get antsy because it's like, well, where's the chaos? Because mm. they don't know what to do. Used, yeah. Yeah. They're used to like this kind of like thrill of like, oh, this is fun. Oh, but you could break my heart at any minute. Oh, when's it going to be? I, I don't know. And then when it's finally like a dude is like, no, I'm here. I love you. I'm going to support you. They don't know what to do because it's such a new experience. They're used to, you know, being being treated like trash and expendable. And they'll go out and create that those problems for themselves. They'll like cause the chaos. Yeah, and they don't realize yeah. <laughs> they don't realize that they're doing that even. It's just they they want the comfort of what's familiar. It happens in business too. Like you get into something, you get into a rhythm, a groove, and you're like, wait a minute, this is too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. Like, like something's this, working this well, is, but when is it gonna fuck up? Some eventually it's gonna go wrong. Something will go wrong. Or or right? this is this is too easy. <laughs> oh, this is too this easy. This is too easy. There's gotta be something else I could be doing. Mm. That's been the cool thing of like like the shifts I've made in my business recently is there like I'll get to the end of my work day. And I can actually go, okay, I have done everything I need to do. Yeah. I can relax and read a book. Dude. <laughs> and it it's, cool? <laughs> it's so refreshing and relieving to be able to like put my Instagram phone away. Cause that's the hack folks, two phones, Instagram on one of them, no social media on the other change your life. I can put that phone away. Mm -hmm. with the total peace of mind that I've done everything that's needed. And I know I've done everything that's needed because I'll then get up the next day and I've got 20 unread messages in my inbox and my calendar is full of calls. And I go, oh, and I got to read my book for two hours last night. Yeah. It can be easy. It can be simple. It can be calm and stable and people sometimes need go create chaos you know, in other ways you know create chaos by by climbing mountains and shit <laughs> yeah well i remember i, I remember talking to our, <laughs> our, our our mutual friend uh mike bledsoe about this because i i was noticing there was a like a entrepreneurial personality test i took and it said that one of the like the pitfalls of my type was this desire for novelty uh and I, Which one was that? Was it a wealth dynamics? Uh, yeah, I'm a supporter. Yeah. Mm. And there's like this desire for novelty that the supporter has. And that could be it. And I thought like initially, like, oh, that's a bad thing. And he said, well, no, recognize that that's something you want and then fulfill that need outside of your business. Yeah. Because I even, I had, I coached a client recently on this. He was procrastinating, spinning his wheels, always doing this, that in his business, that in his business. Because he kept trying to like make it interesting because it was boring. And then mm. I said, well, how much fun are you having outside of your business? And he said, oh, none. I was like, yeah, you're trying to scratch your fun itch with your business. And that's why you're spinning your wheels. That your business is a terrible main source of fun. It can be fun sometimes, mm -hmm. but 
if you rely on it to scratch the fun itch, you're going to procrastinate. You're going to work crazy hours. You're going to burn yourself out mm -hmm. and you're still going to be bored. I see that a lot. I, or I, I used to see it a lot in the CrossFit space. I still work with some CrossFit gym owners. Um, but when I was in the business, um, I would recognize this so much in how you would, you'd be basically mix business with pleasure, right? Like, like gym owners and, and they would get into it cause they love it. Like they'd start that business because they want to work out with their friends and they want the freedom and they want the schedule of being able to do it whenever they want. They also want to make some money and they're like, Oh, this is a great idea. Fucking terrible idea with that mindset. And you got to, you just got to shift the mindset to like, this is business. And so the best thing like a gym owner could do is go get a gym membership somewhere else, you know? <laughs> uh, but I would see like, like, Oh man, they'd like end up dating members and like making that like they'd have parties and host events, which is like parties, events, community stuff is vital to that kind of business. But what role do you play in that? It's not part of the thing, you know, you have to have something outside to satisfy that craving, you know, no one, no one like goes to get a corporate job because they want to have more fun. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm a big proponent too. And this is something I teach in my, my, uh, uh, blueprint program is like, we want to develop the simplest system for running your business. Like the, let's create the slimmest possible, um, business model that also is fun to like execute and engage with. And you can do that. You can like gamify it. You can make it fun. You can go and make sure that you're being yourself. You're not like trying to be someone you're not. And at the same time, have like your own thing that's totally separate. Like how I, I train jujitsu and I make a point to not mix business with jujitsu. Like that's just for me to like choke some people and be a dick sometimes and, and also be a student. Like I want to be that. I want to play that role. It's very hard to play the role of student when people are looking at to you for support and guidance, you know, and yeah. Oh man. I have, you know, Jenna, I think we talked about her before, like at the end of last year, she, she was managing three different businesses that were like burning her the fuck out. And we came to this conclusion that the best move for her to was, was to downsize to one uh, and make sure that it's as easy to run as possible. And, you're prioritizing play and prioritizing yourself and being able to distance yourself and separate the two things. And since doing that, she's roller skated more. She's trained jujitsu more. She's also about to close like a $30,000 deal because she's having fun with it. And also knowing the difference, like you said, of like separating yourself, like giving yourself another outlet. <laughs> Go climb rocks. Seriously, know? rock climbing will teach you so much about yourself. Even better, come climb rocks with me and Ben. Yeah, come hang our, out Bend, Oregon. <laughs> we'll go We'll go to Smith. I'll get you scared as fuck and you'll be safe. <laughs> and you're going to have a lot of fun. Oh my God. I'm going to do, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, I'm doing another weekend immersion. I'm going to do it in uh, New Paltz, New York. So New Paltz is like world famous for its rock climbing, if you're familiar with it at all. 
Uh, we're not going to rock climb, but I do intend to walk people to the edge and set up a rappel. Oh, rappelling is great for that. I was scared shitless the first time I rappelled. I still get scared, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like I build, I do like top roping mostly. So I'll build my anchors and I'm like, did I do this right? <laughs> and then <laughs> Oh I like yeah. You're building the off, anchor yourself. Damn. I like inch off the edge and Val is at the bottom with a radio and she's, and I'm like, all right, we're coming down. And I'm like shitting my pants. <laughs> but oh man, when, when people at, I'm working the logistics. I want to do it at, I want to do it at night and walk people out there. And it's just, it's just like the one person. And then I, my friend, I'm going to try to get my friend, Steve to come. He's like a search and rescue guy, climbing instructor. I want him at the top and just one person. And they get this like real intimate experience to face their fear. And, uh, oh man, I'm just, I get chills thinking about what's on the other side of that, like everyone conquering that moment. And then we debrief and burn the, burn the fear and yeah. have fun. You know, you, you can pre-frame oh. it with that's how most climbers die is repelling yeah. accidents on the way down. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think, I think like most of the deaths on Everest were on the way down. So just heads up guys. <laughs> yeah. Cl climbing a mountain. When you get to the, this is something really cool. I forget which mountain climbing book I read it. And when you get to the top, you're only halfway. Mm -hmm. It doesn't count unless you get back down. Dude. I was on, um, when I did Mount Rainier, the, this, this one thing stuck with me so well. Like we went for our summit attempt. And we get woken up at 2 a.m. You know, guide is knocking on our tents. And we were already awake because we were expecting to be woken up. So we were like, why don't we just stay awake? Party. So we're already awake. We get out of the tent. We start our ascent up. And it was about a we, – we had about three or 4,000 feet to cover, which at that elevation on glaciers takes four to six hours. And so every thousand feet or so, or every hour or so, the we'd take a break and the guides would ask us questions. And this one question he asked every time it was, um, do you guys want to go back down? And we'd say no, typically. And then he'd ask, um, can you go up? Can we go another hour and then go all the way back down? We go up for another hour and then all the way back down. And, you know, he asked this question like three or four times because we took breaks. And like the last time my friend Steve, we were on a rope team together, we're like attached to each other on a rope. And if he decided to go down, I also had to go down. And we already agreed like, bro, we're making it. We're not turning around. We're making the summit. And he had a little battle with himself. And he's like, man, I don't know if I can go up anymore because <laughs> we're at 14,000 feet elevation. It's like minus 50 degrees. We're on a glacier. It's cold as fuck, obviously. And we're hungry and tired and all of the reasons why it, we could turn back. And, uh, and they ask us, you know, obviously like, so can you go up, you know, can you go up for another hour and then back down and. He said, yes, I'll do it. And 
oh man, I felt so much relief because I didn't want to go back down. And fortunately, bro, we were like 20 minutes from the summit at that point. <laughs> so we we're like going along and we see like this little ridge line and it was not the actual summit. It was the false summit, which is cool. It was like a crater. Once you get in the crater, you're out of the wind. You're actually in a volcano. And it was like mind blown. Are you glad you, you did this? <laughs> and we're like, we're like, this is the first time we're, we can touch solid ground in three days because it was just ice before that. We're touching rock and like kissing the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went all the way back down. And we're like speeding <laughs> back down this mountain. And we go from like 14,000 feet down to 5,000 feet in a matter of like three hours and like took one or two breaks and just cruising and the weather was great. We're celebrating. And on the way down, man, we slipped and fell so many times <laughs> because like you're elated with joy. You finally hit the thing. You finally accomplished the mission. You got over the fear and maybe the like scarcity or the, the lack of like belief in yourself, whatever it might be. You got over that and you think you're home free. And it's a really cool lesson that you're only halfway there, right? You're only, it, actually, you're not even halfway there. You're just getting started because, you know, it's, what happens is after you do something like this, man, after you summit a 14,000-foot mountain, you want to summit a 15,000-foot mountain. And then you want to hit a 20,000-foot mountain. And next thing you know, you're in Nepal and you're, like, speaking uh, Nepalese and who knows. <laughs> There's, there's like, man, I wrote this on Instagram like years ago. I was standing on top of a little hill looking out and I had this like philosophical thought like, you know, there's always another mountain. Every time you get to the top, there's always one more. I like to think about it this way and we could, we could wrap soon. You know, I like to think about this, Ben, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. The thing I'm doing right now, the the goal that I'm chasing, I know you'll resonate with this. The goal I'm after, the the routines, the habits, the behavior, this is all practice for the next one. It's just it's just practice. Yeah, and I've I've thought about this with uh different like plant medicines I've done because I've definitely I've had moments. Uh, I can think of one specifically where we called Bledsoe and because we were like, did we just die? And he's like, oh, you guys thought you died? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, you're fine. You know, it's like stuff like that or a combo, another great medicine. I, I remember thinking like, this is all practice for dying. Hmm. Like, can I combo? If you don't know, you, you basically have a food poisoning and the hangovers baby for 20 minutes and it sucks. And then it's blissful afterwards. But while you're sitting in it, you feel terrible and all you can do is breathe. And I remember thinking after one ceremony that, Oh, this is like, can I keep my breath low and slow when I've got 30 seconds left, 10 seconds left? That's what it's really practiced for. Cause I don't want to go out and be like, Oh, 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 oh no, Oh no. Mm. You know, I want to like, Honestly, in my vision, I've got my family around me. I've got my grandkids. I've got my great caring kids. I want them up front and center because I want to show them how it's done. 
And I want to look around at everyone and say, thank you so much. I've had a wonderful time. I remember you. Last breath and out. And Last like, breath that's what and then you, of... you skydive. Or you fall, <laughs> yeah. off, you fall off the edge of a cliff. No parachute, no ropes. Sky, yeah, skydive Done. into the astral. <laughs> but that, that's the thing is like, it's all, it's all, okay, can I sit with this? Mm. Can I sit with two grams of mushrooms, five, seven grams of mushrooms? <laughs> can I sit with 10 combo dots on my chest? Can I be with this discomfort? Mm -hmm. Can you sit all in the ice for another 10 seconds? You know? Yeah. All practice for that ultimate unknown. Because so yeah. many people are uncomfortable with the unknown, the ultimate unknown of the moment when you're going to die. Hmm. Can you sit with that? Well, there's the key, man. It's the preparation for being able to handle the unknown. And this is like going back to some procrastin like procrastination. If if you are if you don't believe that you can handle problems as they come. You're going to procrastinate and avoid those problems, right? Mm -hmm. If you prime yourself, train your body, train your mind, train your spirit to handle whatever the fuck life wants to throw at you or whatever you throw at, back at it, right? You're, you're more likely to just take that next step and do the thing without thinking so much, you know, without thinking about it or questioning your actions, right? You just do it. That's where that's what the breath is for. If you can breathe, you can do anything. So you're in Austin. You're you're gonna you're doing a retreat soon. When does that start? That starts on Thursday. Oh, rad. Is it like a weekend? What's what's the length of that? Yeah, it's a couples retreat for the weekend. So Thursday through Sunday. Cool. What are you excited for about that? like the most oh i'm uh you know what i'm excited for is most of the other couples going are married and mallory and i are not married and i haven't had that many married people to talk to about marriage stuff hmm. marriage i've stuff. got like yeah you know I've, I've, I've got a handful of friends who are married and I'm, I'm really excited to like be in like that kind of container with that kind of context hmm. where I, I can look at, I mean, especially the cashews. I think the cashews, Michael and Adi are an exemplary couple. And I'm really yeah. excited to have the opportunity to pick their brain about, you know, this stage of life that I'm, I'm coming up to and, you know, understand whatever stories there are for me about it and walk right into them mm. and through them. Man, I would actually love to get to talk again after you go through that experience. Give it a little while for you to like integrate and process on your own and then come back and chat. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm totally down. Because that's a that's a subject um, I imagine my audience and the listeners could really appreciate um, as well. Oh man, and I gotta I want to interview Michael too. I got to get him on this show. Oh, he's a yeah. he's a great interview. I've I've interviewed him before. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, he was on my when I did um 
my my old podcast we talked and yeah that was that was a ton of fun and uh man so excited for you everything you're doing all of the um fun stuff of course and the adventures are you also are you road tripping back are you you gonna gonna yeah it's gonna i'm gonna road trip back it's gonna be shorter but uh i did i got connected with like the 50 year old rock climber that i want (laughs) to be and he's gonna be (laughs) he's gonna be in zion the same time i am so i'm definitely gonna take i'm gonna take at least one day to climb with him while i'm on my way back (laughs) that's awesome all right man and uh where should people go to search for you if they felt so inclined to find you and talk to you and say hi ben joy walker on instagram yeah if you're uh if you're tired of doing the dishes instead of the thing you know you should be doing <laughs> let's chat uh, actually that's if what you're i'm tired here for of doing the dishes just come over and do my dishes like that's okay. <laughs> yeah yeah come, come procrastinate on my dishes they're That'd not great <laughs> i'm busy we're, we're t- uh doing the thing I, that's the thing i had someone message me i was like huh that doesn't apply to me. I never do the dishes. Like, yeah, because you're too busy crushing it. That's why. Or you're procrastinating with something else. I liked, uh, yeah. dude. I, I this is a side topic. I was reading uh, our mutual friend Chris Marhefka. I was reading one of his emails the other day, and he used the word procrastinating or procrastinating. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I laughed a little bit. Just enough with that. Yep. Uh, all right, Ben. I'm gonna let you run. I gotta take a pee. Brad, thanks Enjoy. for having me on, Matt. This was fun. Enjoy your thing. Enjoy your retreat. Tell the tell the world I said hi. I will. Right.